Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Encouragement with Pastor Jamie Lingerfeld and myself, his co-host, Angela Lingerfeld. The subject I want to share today is, I want that. And I want to pray first, and then I want to share from a couple of scriptures and also from the scriptures in my heart for the sake of time because I only got 30 minutes. But I want to talk to you about I want that. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name for these beautiful ladies, Lord. And God, thank you for what you're doing in all our lives and our hearts and what you're doing in all the people that's around us and what you're doing in the earth. Father, thank you that the name of Jesus is being carried into the darkest places of the world that have never heard the gospel. Thank you, God, that you're comforting those that are suffering for the gospel in prison and also, Lord, the orphans and the children. And so, Father, I just pray for Brother Rick now who's sitting in Africa. God, that you would give him supernatural grace. God, that you would order his steps and direct him in the way that you've called him to do as he serves the orphans in Kenya, Lord. And so we thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord, thank you for this place. Thank you, God, for the open ear that it has for your word. And I just pray for all those that serve here, Lord, that your grace would be great and more than sufficient and in abundance. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about, I want that. And uh, that's just the way I try to to pick a title that maybe would catch you or that you remember. Um, I'm going to read a scripture out of the book of Mark, chapter 10, probably a couple scriptures. And then I'm just going to talk to what God's put in my heart. And it says, let's see, Mark chapter 10, and I want to start in um, verse 17. And he began starting on a journey again, and the man ran up to him and knelt down and was asking him, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, Why do you call me perfectly good? No one is perfectly good but God himself. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Practice honoring your father and your mother. But he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these commandments ever since I was a child. Then Jesus looked at him and loved him. And said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have riches in heaven. Then come back and follow with me. But his countenance fell at that command. And he went away in deep distress, for he owned a great deal of property. I also want to parallel this scripture. In Genesis chapter 22, Abraham was called to, I believe it started in verse 1, Abraham was called to from heaven. And it was God, and he said, Abraham. And of course, Abraham said, Lord, here I am. He said, uh, I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love. And I want you to take him on a mountain. I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice him to him. And, of course, we know from Scripture and from New Testament that Abraham was obedient to God. And when he got on top of the mountain, of course, we know that he offered him on the altar. And as he went to offering, that God stopped him. And then God goes on to say in the same chapter that God blessed him. And he said, surely in blessing, I will bless you, multiply, I will multiply you. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the sky and as the sea innumerable. Meaning that when, and when God says something is innumerable, that's a lot. Because God is very able to count. And He's very able of keeping up with every... If a sparrow can't fall to the sky without God knowing it, God is more than able to keep up with numbers. He was saying that it would be... It was innumerable. What the Lord was showing me was sometimes God asks for certain things in our heart. And you know, we think we have to... How God defines love and friendship and faithfulness sometimes, unfortunately, is not on the way that, that we do. 
And in reality, the way that God wants things is the way that really is the way. I think a lot about how God asked him for the only thing. that you had, Now, he believed, I think, for over 20 years, he had believed for his son. He had asked God, he had made mistakes. Finally, Sarah had a baby. And then it says that the young man who was going on the mountain carried the wood. So he had to be pretty big to carry wood up the side of a mountain. So we know that he had, had, he had believed for 20 years. He had got the son, and then the boy had to be at least 10, 12 years old or older to carry the wood up the side of the mountain. So you're talking about that he had grown to love something for 32 years that God had already gave him and promised him. 32 years. You know, you're not going to tell me. All of y'all have had children. You're not. I've only had children for 17 years, and I'm attached to my children. And it's impossible not to love your own child. But God asked Abraham to give him what was the dearest thing to his life and said, I, I want that. Now, I want to stop and say one thing. The thing that God may ask a person for is really based on what the person values and what is in place of their heart. Let me say how God defines love. God defines love as, do, as doing whatever it takes for you and him to have nothing between you in the relationship. Jesus died to make us the righteousness of, <clears throat> of God in Christ Jesus, right? So Jesus died so that we could have a relationship with God. And so God said, I, I've demonstrated how much I love you. I will give up anything I have in heaven, including my own son, for you because I want a relationship with you that bad. Now God sometimes says, hey, I want something you have. Do you love me? And I, I'm going to give you New Testament too, not just Old Testament. I, I want that. I'll do anything for there not to be anything between us. Son, daughter, what are you willing to do for there not to be anything between us? What are you willing what are you willing to give up? You notice that this man in this scripture here, by the way, just just here's a thought. Would a man give up the blessing of a lifetime to be blessed for all of time? Would a man give up or a woman the blessing of his lifetime? For a blessing that would last for all of time. Abraham did that. Abraham gave up his son. That was the blessing that God had gave him. And all of Israel and the seed of Jesus came from his son Isaac, not Ishmael. But point being, God gave it to him and then said, now give it back to me. And because Abraham was willing to give up the blessing of his lifetime... God blessed him and said every single person that will ever be born into the kingdom of God from now till time ends will be called and blessed by uh, in your name. Think about that. Okay, so Jamie getting saved in 1995. I was a fulfillment of a promise that God made Abraham because we know that we are from the seed of Abraham, the scripture says. So God is to, let's see, since Jesus died and since Abraham's time, every person who came into the kingdom of heaven and who eventually will go to heaven is still God being faithful to fulfill what he had already promised him. This is, let's see, this been, it's probably been five or six thousand years since God made Abraham that promise till today. And yet, every person that will ever be born again until Jesus returns is a blessing that God gave Abraham because God asked Abraham for the one thing he loved and because he was willing to give it up so that he could share with God, I love you as much as you love me. I love you as much as you. You gave me the son Isaac. 
So I love you enough to give you back what you gave me. What happens when God asks for the blessing of light? Now we know that not only did he get the blessing of all of time, but he also got the blessing of his lifetime back. But he didn't know that. He said he believed that God could raise him from the dead. But I mean, he still held the knife and was about to kill his son. Sometimes God wants to know, do you love me on my terms? God wants, let me put it like this. God wants us to get to the place to where he loves us so much that we begin to love him the way he loves us. That we begin to love others the way he loves us. You know, a lot of people say they're God's friend. A lot of people do. But I don't see a whole lot of places where Jesus or the Father ever called anybody his friend. But to this day, this gospel is being preached. And the book of James says that Abraham was my friend. It's one thing to call God your friend. It's something else when for all of time. God says, I'm, everyone will remember. Abraham, you were my friend because you gave me back what I gave you. And you love me like I love you. <laughs> Man, I'm about to cry just thinking about that. God asked Peter the same thing. Sitting on a beach one day. You know, Jesus had died. Peter thought his dreams died. Peter found out Jesus was alive. Then it says Peter went back fishing. And you know, Peter had uh, a company. He had, he had his dad, John, had a business. It was a fishing business. And he also was friends with, uh, let's see, it was Peter and Andrew and James and John, both their dads owned fishing business. And somehow it says in Scripture they were both in business together, all of them kind of like together. Because it says they were partners with, the, they all were partnering kind of in the fishing business. But after Jesus had died, Peter went back fishing. And then Jesus, of course, came looking for Peter. And I think Peter probably was still dealing with what he had done, you know, denying Christ. But, you know, Jesus met him on the beach. And when they finally realized it was the Lord, Peter jumped in without any clothes on, swam to the, or put his clothes on, swam to the beach, which is a whole other thing. But he put his robe on, then swam. But he wanted to be where Jesus was. And, you know, Jesus never, ever asked him anything like, you know, what? Are you sorry for what you did? Why did you deny me? He just said, Peter. They sat down and had breakfast together. God loves to eat with people, I'm convinced. But he sat down and had breakfast together and he said, he said, Simon, Peter, son of John. That's, it says Jonah, but it, it's really John is how it's pronounced in the English translation. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these things? And he said, Lord, you know I tenderly love you, is the way it reads in Greek. I tenderly love you. He said, Simon, son of John, are you devoted to me more than these? And he said, Lord, I love you, tenderly love you. And he asked him a third time. And he said, Simon, do you love me? Lord, you, it says in the Greek that you hurt my heart when you asked me that. It says that his heart was hurt and he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Now I left out three other things that Jesus said to him when they had the conversation. Jesus said, Simon, do you love me more than these things? And he said, yeah. He said, feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me more? Are you more devoted to me than them? Yes, feed my lambs. 
Finally, he said, Simon, shepherd my people. There has to be evidence in a believer's life where they are in the fruit of their living. People can see Christ. There has to be enough evidence on earth before we leave to convict us of truly being a Christian. If it was a law case, is there any factual evidence that says that we have lived a life or that our, the fruit of our tree bears fruit that looks like Christ? You're not saved by works. But there should be evidence that we are saved. Does that make sense? I mean, we're not saved by... We're saved by trusting in Jesus and the blood of Christ. And we are the righteousness of God. But out of that, God sometimes says, I want that. This rich young ruler, this guy did everything he knew to do to be right. He knew. I don't know a whole lot of people that came up to Jesus that, that said, I've kept all these from my youth. I mean, you're talking about he was the opposite of Peter and John because they were rough fishermen. Here's a guy that says, I've been trying to follow, do the right thing all my life. It, it wasn't that he wasn't doing what was right. It was that he hadn't given God all of his heart. And what stood between Jesus and him was his money. He had given God everything but that one thing. And God said, I want that. I want that. If you And it says here, when he looked at him, he loved him. You, I've experienced the love of Jesus. I still, every now and again, still experience the love of Jesus. How this man experienced that love in that moment of time. But when he experienced that love, Jesus said, now this is how much I love you. Do you love me back? And if you do, then I want the one thing that's between me and you, and that's your money. Now, in any life, it could be anything, right? In Abraham's life, it was Isaac. In his life, it was money. It could be something as temporal as the one little thing that you have that you cherish. You know, me and my wife and family, we live with, we don't live a very frivolous life with money. We don't waste money. And my wife, more than anybody, doesn't ever buy anything for herself. You have to, I have to make her do it. And then she still won't buy it unless it's on clearance. I love my wife. I've been married to her for 20 years. And one, the other day, I, I, the Lord brought this back to my memory when I was meditating on this message I was going to preach this morning before daylight. The Lord brought it back to my memory. Not too long back, I had gotten a, a, the life story of a pastor from China on CD. I'm an audio learner because I struggled with dyslexia growing up. So I hear, I learn faster by hearing than I do from reading. I do read my Bible too, but I listen to my Bible too on CD. But I had gotten this guy's audio book and I had been so excited because I wanted to hear about what pastors live like in China. Because they're a part of us. We're all a part of them if we're in the body of Christ. So I want to know what, what is, what is pastoring like in China? And this guy was, you know, he's still alive. This was, make a long story short. Angela, she come about, uh, <laughs> Angela come about, one day, and I said, boy, look at what I got in the mail. You know, and I held it, and she said, she goes, I want that. And I said, this is the only thing I have bought myself, because money's been tight for us this last year. Election year's hard on evangelistic ministries. You know, we don't pay ourselves a salary. We just pay our bills, and the rest goes into helping other people. And our bills are not that much. We don't have new car payments or anything like that. But it had been so tight that we had, not, we had struggled just keeping everything paid. Now, God never failed us, but there wasn't a whole lot left over this year. Now, the three years before, there was an abundance. 
So you have good and bad years, lean years and prosperous years. But anyway, she said she wanted it. And I said, no, I just got this. I didn't think no more about it. And I mean, I, I didn't even hesitate to say, you can't have it. Well, the next morning I got up to pray. And the Lord corrected me as lovingly as he does. If I could ever correct my children the way he corrects me, it would be a whole lot more fruit in their life like there is in mine. The problem is I haven't gotten there yet. I'm trying. But he corrected me. He said, you know, so your wife that loves you asked you to borrow that. And I said, Lord, it's mine. He said, well, would you give it to me? And I said, well, yeah. He said, well, give it to her. I live in her. And I said, Lord, that's wrong. He said, do you love me more than that? And I said, yes. He said, well, now I have proved my love to you. I moved everything out of the way that stood between me and you since Adam fell. I removed it all, and there's nothing I wouldn't give you. Will you give her that? And, and he reminded me of the scripture in Ephesians that says, to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it and said, okay, today you're not going to have to die a physical death to give her love. But you can die some of that carnal death and give her the, the, the series. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize I was wrong. And so I told Angela, I said, baby, I'm going to get you the copy of this CD. I went inside and burned her, her own copies so she could listen to it. And I did that in my actions, burning those CDs to give her what I had, confirmed that I loved her. The way that God was loving me. Now I don't always love my wife that way. I wish I did. Maybe before we die. We, we will. But I can say this. Sometimes God reaches down and says. There's something between me and you. I didn't put it there. It's not what I want for your life. I want you to give it to me. And sometimes we lose it. And sometimes we get it back. And the blessing of a lifetime. That lasts for all of time. I have learned that when you give God everything, that God always gives back more than you give. And sometimes it ain't always in your bank account. There's a lot of people that are blessed with a lot of things that are not very wealthy people financially. Some of the richest people I've ever seen in the world do not live in America. And they're not rich money-wise. They're rich in the kingdom. They're rich in love and mercy. And the poor always give more than the rich. And I have seen poor people in the slums of Kenya, in the slums of Africa, in the bush of Uganda. I have seen children who have no clothes trying to give whatever they have to the other. I've seen children share a sucker in an African village. I have learned from my own experience and traveling the world 50 times. I have seen that the, the poor always give more than the rich. And the Bible says, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom, which God has promised to those who love him. So what did he say was they were rich in? They were not rich in money. They were rich in faith. What's in your heart maybe today that God's asking you for? Is there anything? If God asked you to give up your only CD set like he did me, are you, are you, where, are you, are you where you can do that? Ultimately, after you give it up, God will more than give you back everything you give. But God wants to know, do you love me like I love you, Peter? Jamie, do you love me like I love you? 
Let me tell you something else. Sometimes we think we, well, sometimes pastors and preachers think they're something they're not until they realize they actually have to live what they preach and believe. In other words, there has to be evidence in my life, just like every other person's life, when, the, when Jesus walks by my tree, there has to be fruit that says, this man was a Christian. He was a Christian to his children, a Christian to his wife, he was a Christian to the poor. He was a Christian. And in my lifetime, that one thing I want, what God said, I want that, that has changed. It has not always been the same thing. Different seasons, different times in my life, it's been different. But really what God wants to show you is what has you. He already knows what's blocking. He wants you to know that. And you know how you know it? If you can't say yes and give it immediately without any, with, without any hesitation, then it's between you and Him on your end. God made the way. Jesus, that way was made so that he, nothing would ever separate you from Him. But I think so many times we don't ever think about something separating us from God. You know, one of the greatest examples I think of what I heard holiness being is how is what I'm about to do going to affect my relationship with God? And people say that if you live by that principle, Scripture teaches that that is an example of a holy living. In other words, anything that you, God wouldn't want in your life or want between you and Him, if you don't want that, then you are able to live a lifestyle that is, a, is holy. And it's not that I have to do all the right things. It's that because I don't want nothing to hinder my walk with God because I need Jesus or I'm dependent on God or I, I've got to have God's Spirit in my life. All of those things keep me from doing what I want to do. Sometimes I want to do the wrong thing. I, I just honestly told you about me wanting to do the wrong thing right then. But when the Lord told me that I was wrong and when He asked me how much I loved Him, and I'll tell you another time it was coming home. From my trip in Africa, I had been in Kenya for 30 days. I had had probably one of the most, it was one of the best trips I've ever been on. Now, I've been three or four times since then, but when I got on the plane, I had, you know, I had a lot of people all wanting to try to get me to stay longer and stuff like that, and there was some offers, things made to get me to stay and not go home. And I didn't want to go home. I missed my family, but God was doing so much through my life, and I felt so much purpose, that's one of the reasons I go back to the mission field, is because I feel like I, that's what I was born to do, is to be a minister in a third world country, as well as in America. And, you know, the Lord, I told the Lord, I, I felt like He told me to go home, and I just said, well, you know, God, if I have any say in this, I want to stay a little bit longer. And God said, you don't. And I said, but I, is there any way I could talk you into this? And the Lord asked me the same question. Jamie, do you love me? I said, yeah. He said, do you love me more than ministry? I said, yes, Lord. He said, go home. And well, I got on the plane and cried as the plane was taking off. But I did it because he asked me to. And throughout my lifetime, that one thing that God says I want that has changed. God hasn't changed. But you know, sometimes we just kind of, we pick things up along the way. And sometimes it, we pick something up that really begins to be a hindrance to us. In our walk with God. And I'm going to tell you what you can pick up. You can pick up unforgiveness. You can pick up offense. You can pick up anger. You can pick up bitterness. There's a lot of things you can pick up that will hinder your walk with God. Have you picked anything up? 
that might be between you and Jesus. It can be a relationship that you're not supposed to be involved in. And it doesn't have to be with a, someone from the opposite sex. Or you could have begun to look for affection in something other than your walk with God. Hey, everybody does that. But the thing is, when God asked you, would you give it back to Him? Is there anything you'd find pleasure in more than you'd find pleasure in the presence of God? Because that'll tell you where your heart is. Right? If I look for pleasure with another woman, I'll say that, everybody will tune back in. If I look for pleasure from another woman outside of my relationship with my wife, and I begin to be involved with another woman to give me something that I want that my wife is supposed to, you would call me an adulterer, right? Is that right? That's right. If I start looking for pleasure outside of my own intimate relationship with my wife, would I be committing adultery? Well, absolutely. Well, my question is, do you ever do that with God? Do you look for pleasure? Do you look for fulfillment or identity in something other than your walk with God? Because if you do, you're leaning into trusting in something that's temporary. No matter how beautiful my wife is, and I know she'll outlive me. I believe God really showed me that. But the fact of the matter is, she's still a temporal thing. And she could be gone tomorrow. My dad was here for all of my lifetime. My whole lifetime. And then one day he just was gone. And there's nothing I can do to get him back. He's gone. What I'm asking you is, do you look for pleasure? In, and some people, it's, it's an addiction. It could be drugs. Hey, there's a lot of men out there and ministers that are addicted to pornography because they're looking for pleasure outside their relationship with God and their relationship with their wife. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You talk about something that will hinder you walk with God. Get involved in something like that. And now there really is a block between you and Jesus. But I will say this again. Holiness is looking at everything and saying, if I do this, is this going to cause any negative effect between me and the Lord? And if the answer is maybe, it means yes. If the answer is no, this won't, there's no way it will, then, that, then you can go ahead and be a part of it. And let me say this. Some things that are lawful for some people are not for others. In other words, some things that are okay for you ain't good for me. Right? Okay, who likes to watch? A lot of people like to watch football. I grew up playing football, played big-time football. My dad was a football coach. But after I became a Christian, I would try once in a while to watch a college football game, and it would give me nightmares. Back to the days of when I used to fight and uh, used to beat people and do different things I was involved in. And so when I watch it now, it gives me horrible dreams, and it makes me want to be violent. I've been born again for 20 years, but watching football ain't good for me. But now my dad watched football all of my lifetime and he never once in the last 20 years was ever angry or it made him aggressive or anything. So what my daddy could do, Jamie couldn't do because I had a struggle with it. Daddy didn't. In other words, not everything that is not good for me. For instance, you know, you can put a, you can put a, a fifth of liquor in my house, my house. And I would never drink it because I hate alcohol. It makes me sick. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't. It, it just makes me miserable and go to sleep. When I was partying, I never drank. I don't think I've been drunk two times in my whole life. I smoked more weed than you could put in a dump truck before I was a Christian. So if you put a pound of pot in my house, now we might have a problem. Over time, when I might have a bad day, 
Even after preaching the gospel for 20 years, when I have a discouraging day, I might reach out to that. Now, my wife, on the other hand, you don't want to put alcohol in front of her every day, day after day after day after day. Because she struggles with that. Now, she ain't going to smoke weed or nothing. My point being, what is a weakness to me is not to others. Same thing. Sometimes we look for pleasure in objects or things or our activities before we ask God first to help us. I will say this, the safest place to be is to be content with God. Because when you're content with God, you don't reach out to those things. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul was talking about money there. But it applies to all things. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Why? Because I don't want anything. And there's no desire to gain something when you find out what you've got is better than what anything you can find. And see, when a person experiences the presence of God and truly receives Jesus' love at any time in their life, they realize this is all I've ever needed, all I've ever wanted, and all there is to be. I've never met Jesus and wanted anything, not one time, not never. Now, I have sought, sought Jesus in seeking and not been able to attain what I thought I needed and then lean into other things. Whether it's my... You can lean into anything. Going shopping, it could be going hunting for me. Whatever it is. But when I experience the presence of God, my bank account may not change, but I'm changed. When I experience the presence of God, I may only still have a quarter tank of gas at that moment, but it don't matter anymore how much gas I got or don't have. When I experience the presence of God, whether I've got $100 or $500 in my bank account, really, I don't care. Because I've got Jesus, and Jesus owns it all. And it's not just, I'm saying that because somebody on television is saying that. I'm saying, I'm saying that because I know it's true. Because I've experienced the presence of God. Let me say this. In Jesus is everything that pertains to life and godliness and everything you need. So I'm going to ask you one more time. What is that thing that might be in your life that God wants? And he's saying, I want that. Because I want our relationship to be without anything hindering us. This rich young ruler, he said no and walked away. Don't ever say that he ever had another chance. And I, I do you, you ever wonder if he giving them if he would have really not gave him the money back? I thought about that today. There's a lot of things in scripture. I, now I can check church history and probably get the answer. But do you think if he would have gave the money that Jesus would have gave him the money back and let him follow him? Let me say one more thing. There's a lot of people go to church and there's a lot of crowds that come and go when Jesus ministered. But there was only a few that followed him. So keep in mind, just because everybody else is doing it, or that's what the crowds do, there was a lot of crowds that came and left, but there was only a few that finished. I want you to know I love you. I want you to know you matter. And my family loves you. Please don't let nothing be between you and the Lord. Maybe it's just unconfessed sin, or maybe it's just anger, or I get angry at people. Like I told you, I, I used to have a problem with anger and abusing people when I, before I met Christ. Now I'm going to close in prayer. I want you to know I love you. And I, this is not a message I wanted to share. I, I have, I'm, I'm kind of in this because he told me to do so and I don't really have a choice. But I just want you to know that you're loved and that I do love you and I do care. 
And I show love by telling the truth. That's just the way I was made. Father, I just thank you. Lord, thank you for these people. Lord, thank you for those that wait on them. And God, I just pray that everyone in this place would be strengthened with grace and ability to do what they couldn't do on their own for those who can't do it on their own. And so, Lord, we just lift up all our family all over, our parents, our grandparents, our children, our grandchildren. Lord, we just lift everyone up before you, and we just thank you, God, that you made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and everything you make is beautiful. And so, Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for the grace to preach this message in spite of my body and how I feel. And so, Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Voice of Encouragement today. Have a wonderful week and make sure to tune in next week at 1030 Sunday morning to get it.